Well, welcome everyone to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. We are so thankful that you've chosen to spend some time with us today. Uh, here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I am Wes McAdams, your host, and we are starting a new series today I'm excited about, Hope for the Future of the Church. I know that over the last couple of years, things have been strange. They've been different. We've had a pandemic. We've had all kinds of uh, political polarization. We live in a changing culture and a changing climate, and, and people don't know what to make of our present situation, much less what does the future hold. So I know that there's a lot of anxiety amongst Christians about what does the future hold and what will things look like, but I hope that we can think about our current circumstances and the future in light of scripture. And so over the next few weeks, I want to have some some different guests on who give me hope about the future and have them encourage us with scripture and discussion about where we are and where we're going as the church. And today I'm joined by my friend Chris McCurley, uh, the preacher from the Oldham Lane Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Chris, welcome, brother. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I think we were just discussing how uh, you, you've. I, this is my first time on the podcast, and a long time listener, first time guest. <laughs> what well, is so good? To, it's so good to have you. I'm sorry that it's taken so long to to have you on as a guest because uh, we've we've worked together on on quite a number of projects over the years. We I used to live in Abilene. In fact, this podcast in its original iteration was uh, started in Abilene, and and so Chris and I have worked together on various projects over the years, and I'm very thankful for his friendship and for what uh, he's doing for the church. Yeah, thank you, well, Wes. I'm a big big fan of uh, of all that you're doing and everything that uh, that you've got uh, uh, going there at McDermott, and I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate the friendship. Well, likewise, brother. And, and I guess we ought to say that uh, today is a snow day uh, in Texas, uh, an unusual snow day. If we get even, even a, a a portion of an inch, we everything shuts down for the entire state. So yes. uh, Chris is recording from home, and I'm recording from home. So the the quality level probably isn't up to snuff, but uh, <laughs> I'm thankful we could do this anyway. Yes, for sure. Well, to, today the the subject that I want to talk about is probably the one that comes to people's minds the most right now because of the pandemic and what we've come through, and that's church attendance. And and where we are on church attendance right now across across the country, and obviously uh, people's situation varies from congregation to congregation, and and how much the pandemic has affected church attendance. Um, but but we're all sort of wrestling with that. You know, we're we're wrestling with um, has everybody come back? Are they going to come back? Uh, and what's coming next? So so Chris, if you just kind of take a look at where we are right now, how would you describe where we are as, in, in relation to this subject? Well, I think you said it uh, very well there, is that there, there are some folks that we know have continued to be online and will continue to be online for an extended period of time just because uh, their health situation, they're vulnerable, they don't feel comfortable, and we certainly get that. And we want to encourage them to, to, to stay uh, online as as long as they need to, in order to get past this, there are some that uh, were kind of on the fringe um, before the pandemic, and I'm afraid we may not ever see them again. And then there are those that, um, you know, are kind of making their way back. Uh, we are like a lot of churches. We we went through COVID pretty well. Um, actually, grew a bit during COVID, but uh, we don't have all our people back, and so that is 
it's been a little difficult when you look out there and you see so many empty spots and you know that the, you know, the people that usually sit there are not with us. Some of them have passed away. Uh, some of them are, like we said, staying home because they're vulnerable. Others have just not come back for whatever reason. So um, we're dealing with that as well. It's been tough, but I think I like what you said about hope for the future, because I do think that you can look at this in one of two ways. You can be really pessimistic or you can be you know, optimistic. I choose to be optimistic about it. I think there's some good in this. And uh, I think the pandemic, if it's taught us anything, one of the best things it's taught us is that we need each other. Uh, the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. I, I think we've noticed that we were meant as Christians to exist in community. And I think that point was driven home while we were stuck at home. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, and feel free to, to elaborate on this if you want to from your perspective, but I know that from my perspective, preaching to an empty auditorium, there were there were mm-hmm. months where we were online only and we were just streaming. That was definitely the hardest, the hardest moments of ministry for me over the years. That that has been the most difficult. I always tell people it was the hardest because I was still doing my job. In fact, there was a lot of my job I was doing more of, but I was still doing what I had always been doing, but I had lost the part of it that I enjoyed the most, which was being with people. That was the reason I right. did what I did was being with people. And exactly. to your point, um, it really it really emphasized to me how much I had taken togetherness and that gathering and being together in one place. I'd really taken it for granted and and how how much I appreciated it all the more when we had it back. I agree. You know, for me, the first couple of weeks was nice because we had been doing concurrent services. So I would preach in our uh, family center, our gym, and uh, I would finish the sermon and then I run down the hallway to the auditorium and I would preach that sermon again. So we had two services going on at the same time and I was running back and forth and I really wasn't worshiping. And then my my two college age student uh, kids were uh, home because of COVID. They never went back after spring break. And so we were at home and for the first time in a long time, we worshiped as a family and I didn't watch me. We watched other, you know, we watched you guys and we watched other church services because I didn't want to watch me. And for a couple of weeks, you know, that was kind of nice. We got to worship together. I actually got to kind of um, decompress a little bit and just and just be an observer. Uh, now, it was tough preaching to an empty auditorium and recording and all that. We didn't do ours live. We we recorded it. Um, but after a couple of weeks of that, that wasn't that wasn't fun anymore because like you, I missed the interaction and our neighborhood here, I live on a cul-de-sac, our neighborhood had an Easter service and they asked if I would come preach. And it was so nice because I preached to an audience. There were about 25 of our neighbors down at the end of the cul-de-sac and I actually got to preach and it just really made me miss uh, the interaction because I don't think that we were ever intended to practice Christianity on an island. And that was that was made even clearer during that whole pandemic. Yeah. I went down to Fredericksburg. We were we were still online only. Um and it was it was the summer of twenty twenty and most of the the Wednesday night summer series that I had scheduled all fell through, except for the church in Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. They they decided to do theirs and they were still meeting in person, small congregation. And so I went down and preached for them. And, and I think when I got up to speak, there were tears in my eyes. And, and I said, I know it's weird because I don't know you guys, but being here with you reminds me of how much I miss, to your point about the Easter service, it reminded me how much I missed 
my church family and and being with them. So so there's definitely one of the positives to all of this is is just that that reviving of of the enthusiasm for being together. W- would you say that there's any other good things about the situation we find ourselves in right now? Yeah, I mean, we've learned some things through this pandemic. I mean, for instance, we learned that uh, toilet paper could be a form of currency. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. we we learned that uh, maybe working less and being at home more is a good thing. I think, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people had to hit the pause button um, because they were forced to. And I think that was a good thing. Um, and I think that we learned that staying home is a good thing until you're forced to stay home. Then we don't like it mm-hmm. much. But I do think that um, one of the good things is um, a lot of churches and a lot of preacher friends of mine that have never probably even tinkered with technology learned how to get the message out in a different format. And it was really neat to see so many preacher friends of mine, some that were older and really kind of despised technology. They really avoided it at all costs. They figured out how to set up their phone, do a live stream or a Facebook live. And, you know, they were, I've had so many of them telling me, you know, we have guys tuning in from, from all over the globe. And I said, yeah, it's, that's the neat thing about live streaming and Facebook live is that you, you can get an audience from, from all over. So you're reaching more people than you ever were, were going to reach otherwise. And so I think that's been a good thing as well. Uh, but I think the biggest, the biggest plus is that we, we learned, I think most of us anyway, learned that we were made for this, for, to be together, to, yeah. to be at, uh, together, to assemble, and all those one another passages that Paul talks about, you know, they don't happen if you're not one anothering. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's absolutely for sure. And I, and I, to go back to that, that idea about the, the online, the technology, it, I, last night we had to cancel our services. I don't know. I think you guys probably did as well because we the, did the ice storm. Mm-hmm. So last night was Wednesday and, and we, we had to cancel our, our in-person services and we did it online. I think you guys did online as well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, that was something that five years ago, if we had canceled because of the weather, it, there would have just been nothing. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had exactly. any sort of devotional or Bible study, but, but I think that there is definitely something to, adaptability. In fact, that's what I did my devotional on last night was about the fact that the church in Acts was incredibly adaptive. They they took their situation and they took what might have been truly a negative thing like persecution and they mm-hmm. used those opportunities to find new ways and new places and new people to bring the gospel to. And I and I think that if nothing else, this this era of of the church is going to be one of increased adaptability where we learned, you know what, there's more than one way to do what needs to be done. That doesn't mean we eliminate a meeting in person. It doesn't mean that that's not important. In fact, now we recognize to your point that it's even more important or we recognize the importance even more. But there's also other ways to to use what we have and use the opportunities that we have uh, to spread the gospel, to encourage people, to teach people, whatever the case may be. So I, I, I think that I think that hopefully what has been birthed is a is a greater adaptability of the church. Yeah, I don't think that you can uh, uh, bemoan the fact that you're reaching more people. I know that the online, and we can talk about this in a minute, I know the online stuff has been kind of a blessing and a curse. We have to admit that. But at the same time, I think the biggest blessing is that uh, some of our some of our ministers uh, are, are reaching people that they would have never had the opportunity to reach 
beforehand. And so I, I, you can't, you can't bemoan that fact. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, this, this podcast really is a Bible study podcast. And so we, we want to get into some scripture or at least, you know, whether that be passages or, or scriptural ideas, but, but as it pertains to, to this, this conversation about church attendance and where we're, where we are and where we're going, what scriptures or ideas from scripture really shape your thoughts as it pertains to this? Well, I, I think about the book of Acts. You just mentioned it a while ago. I know it's not a perfect analogy, so please don't misunderstand. I'm not suggesting that their plight is the same as ours. But in the book of Acts, you see a group of people, a group of Christians that at the early onset, they were a community, they were together, they were close-knit, they were a tight-knit group. And then when persecution hit, they scattered. And as they're scattering, though, they never lost sight of the mission. You know, they continued to do what they were meant to be doing, which is spread the gospel. Uh, they existed in a climate and a culture that was opposed to their values, their mission, you know, yet they flourished. I mean, they had no business flourishing. The church had no business taking off like it did. We think today as, as American Christians that we need the government to, to uh, uphold our values and, and, and promote us. And yet they didn't. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lesson to us that, uh, we need to just keep doing what we've been doing. And I know that didn't really apply to church attendance as much, but I also think about Haggai. You know, um, I can imagine when God's people were in exile in Babylon, they did a lot of reflecting. And I can imagine that when they got the chance to return, that um, they, they probably were thinking all the things that they were going to do and how they were going to get back to normal because, you know, God had granted them release and uh, they were they were ready to show their repentance and show that they were that they were thankful for God allowing them to return, which is interesting. Not all of them returned. I always find that part of the story interesting that some refused to go back, but the ones that returned, you know, they were excited. And as the years kind of passed, Jerusalem slowly came back to life. Homes were built, stores were were opened, crops were harvested. Life kind of returned to normal, which wasn't a good thing. I mean, because normal for the Jews wasn't, wasn't really good, but through it all, the foundation of the temple was, was overgrown with weeds or, you know, I mean, it was just, it was neglected. And uh, Haggai comes on the scene with a message, consider your ways. And I, I think that that's important for us. Again, not a perfect analogy because what they went through is way worse than what we're going through. But when you think about it, as we're coming out of exile, as we're coming out of Babylon, we need to consider our ways. And for some Christians, unfortunately, the last thing they're adding back is church. Mm. And just like, you know, the, the Jews, they, you know, the temple was the last thing should have been the first thing should have been the first thing that came back to life, but it was sitting in ruins and Haggai had to come on the scene and, and say, look, you have enough time to do all these other in-person things. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's time to get to the work that needs to be done first and foremost, because I think something we run past sometimes is the temple's not in ruins, so they weren't worshiping, um, which is a major problem. And I think that, um, you know, so many times when we when we face difficulty, and this is certainly has tested us probably like, like nothing else uh, recently, but it's good to consider our ways and understand that when we come back out of uh, whatever it is we've been dealing with, whether it's personally something that's been chaotic or something that's affected all of us, like a like a pandemic, 
it's important to get busy and in doing the things that matter most. And mm-hmm. I think there are some Christians, uh, far too many, I'm, I'm afraid, that are in person and everything else in life. And yet church hasn't been added back. Uh, mm-hmm. COVID's a convenient excuse, whatever. Uh, again, some are vulnerable. They don't need to be back out yet. Um, but there are many that are in person and everything else. And I kind of connect that with Haggai's, consider your ways. Don't let church, don't let the temple be the last thing on your list. That should be the first thing. So, and then I think yeah. about Hebrews 10. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Well, I think about Hebrews 10, 25, which is, of course, our signature verse on church attendance, right? Don't forsake the assembly. But I, if you if you read Hebrews 10, especially like 23 through 25, um, you see a greater a, a greater context. Uh, let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging Christians who were about to throw in the towel to not. He says, don't don't do that. Don't don't quit um, what you throw away will be far greater than anything you might lose during a persecution. And then he points to the need for togetherness. It, it, it's in community that we build one another up, that we stir one another to love and good deeds. It's not just about coming and sitting in a pew so I can check it off the list. That's not what he means by abandoning or forsaking the assembly. You can't one another if you're not together. And so you need this is what he's saying. You need one another, a concept that Paul reiterates over and over again. So I, those are the passages I think about. Yeah, that's so good, and I'm and I'm so glad you you pointed that out there at the end that that it's it's so much more than just checking something off of a list or or sitting in a pew and and even going back to what we began with you know some of the things that have been revealed through the midst of this pandemic. I think one of the things that for me has come to the surface is that there's sort of two sides to this coin. On on the one hand, we could say church attendance, and by that, I mean coming together on Sunday morning specifically, you know, and, and being part of that, that breaking of the bread and sharing of the cup, that that's, it's huge. It's, it's such an important part of our life and our togetherness. I often say that Sunday morning not only makes for a better week, it makes for a better life. And, and mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I believe that th- that's the time specifically where we're rehearsing our story, who we are, and and what it is that we're doing, but I think there's another side to that. That in especially in a modern American Christianity, Christianity has been reduced to attendance, and and I think you know for me, I was I was thinking about passages that that really shape my thinking on this, and one of them is is Jesus' great commission to go and to make disciples. And how we so often reduce that to making attenders. And I think for so many people, Christianity or their Christianity has been limited or reduced to church attendance. And and there may be, I'm not saying that everybody who hasn't yet come back uh, to in-person worship, because as you said, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out, that there are still a lot of people that are have immune system uh, situations, have health problems that they, they can't be back in person. And we understand that. But some of those people that have yet to come back in person 
maybe for some of them, it's because they weren't really disciples to begin with, that they were church attenders and they were there every time the door was open. Mm -hmm. But when, when it wasn't open anymore, that, that whole thing, their whole system of faith fell apart because that was what it was reduced to. In fact, I remember uh, during all of the, the heat and the back and forth during the pandemic and everything else that was going on, someone said something about, I'll be glad when, when we can worship again. And someone replied <laughs> to them and said, I never stopped. I don't know about you, but I never, I never stopped <laughs> right. worshiping as if, as if during this time we, we stopped being Christians or we stopped worshiping because we weren't able to attend. So I think there's, right. there's two sides of that, that we can't miss either one, that yes, attending is important, but Christianity and discipleship is so much more than attending. And yes, we need to be together on Sunday mornings, but we also need to be together on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. We need to be in each other's house. We need to be in, in each other's lives. And I think for a lot of us, that never stopped. You know, we, we continued yeah. to take food to each other, even when we couldn't see each other face to face. We continued to call each other and text each other and, and take food to each other and do whatever we could to encourage one another. And, and this is that moment, I think, where for the church, we can begin to, to evaluate ourselves and ourselves as a whole and say, are we, are we more than just church attenders or is this, is this all there is to our Christianity? And there, it, has to be, it has to be more than that. Yeah, I, I think that there might be, for lack of a better word, a purging here or a refining. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that at Oldham Lane, one of the things that we've talked about as a leadership and, and staff is uh, how often you hear you know, somebody stand up at a church service, whether it be the elders or, or a staff member and say, you know, thank you for being here this morning. If you are visiting with us, we are so excited you're here and we, we are so happy you're here and we are, you're our honored guest. And, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, but no, if you're a member, you're why we're here. I mean, yeah. our core people is what makes us. We are certainly happy to have members. I mean, uh, visitors come and be with us and we want to be as welcoming as possible. But at the end of the day, the reason we exist is because of these core people that we have. And so we've decided that instead of getting lost in the in, in the numbers, because that's a metric that's dangerous anyway, uh, instead of getting lost in numbers and who's back and, and who's not, we're going to check on those folks who aren't with us and we're going to keep tabs on them and try to, you know, try to help them along the way. But uh, we're going to we're going to focus on who's there and we're going to focus on our core that's back. And we're going to try to uh, equip and move out from there and do the best we can. And, you know, like the like in the book of Acts, keep our head down, do our job and and uh, try to make a difference. And I, I think that's all you can do. But, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, something such as this really kind of. Um, I don't know, I, I don't know if purging is the best word, so I'm sorry if that's not a good way to put it, but. It just seems like that there's a bit of a refining here going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm not real happy about that. Um, but I think that we've got to, you know, band together, focus on our core, try to help those that are on the fringe to bring them back. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I, that's kind of where we're at with it. Yeah. And I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that I think it's actually a healthy thing to some degree and again, we're not equating, you know, everybody who hasn't come back with with those that need to be refined out of the right. church or anything like that. Um, right. But but I think that that it it reveals a reality that's always been true, 
And I think that we were already headed in this direction as a culture. There was a time, maybe in the 50s or 60s, where church attendance was pretty much expected by upstanding members of the community. If you were if you were going to be a leader in the community, if you were going to be on the school board, if you were going to be, you know, a, a teacher in the schools, if you were going to whatever you were doing in the community, if you were going to be the mayor or on the city council, there was an expectation that you would be attending church somewhere. And that has shifted over the years where it's no mm-hmm. longer a cultural expectation and honestly, I'm not too sad about that. I'm not too sad about the fact that that people that are going and assembling with the church are there because they want to be there. In fact, as as the doors began to open back up, it's one of the things that shocked me and surprised me the most, how quickly so many people came back and were just chomping at the bit, ready to come back, begging to be yes. able to come back. In fact, our first Wednesday night back in person the attendance was greater than the last Wednesday night before the pandemic. <laughs> and it was it was greater right. than our average before the pandemic. And so our Wednesday night crowd was back immediately, plus some, which was amazing yeah. to me, mostly because nobody was coming out of habit anymore. For years, people had come out of habit. They came just because that's what they always did. That's what Wednesday night looked like. That's what Sunday night looked like. Sure. That's what Sunday morning looked like. But now, if they're there... They're not there because of culture pressures. They're not there because of habit. They're there because they choose to be. And honestly, I think that's a better place for us to be than just having a building filled with attenders that you're not really sure. Do you even want to be here or are you just here because you feel like you need to be here? Yeah, you know, we've been so numbers focused over the years that it it hurts us to to look out there and it stings a little bit to say, well, you know, we were once this many and now we're a hundred people short of that or whatever. And maybe it's been good for us too to realize that, you know what, you were you you were going by a pretty shaky metric to begin with. And if all you care about is bodies in the pews instead of souls mm-hmm. in the kingdom, which I know that's not what all we care about, but we 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 kind of fool ourselves into quotas of baptisms. You know, we like that number in the bulletin. We like that number uh, uh, for the contribution, that number for, for attendance. And, and certainly, you know, numbers represent people. So we should right. care to some degree. But when we put when we put all the focus just on numbers, maybe uh, I, I know that's been good for me because I tend to be a numbers guy. I tend to look at it and say, oh, we had this many people. It makes you feel good. Stick your chest out. You know, look how many people we had. We're growing or whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think that's a very um, a faulty metric. And uh, mm-hmm. I know what's taught me that I need to be focused in a little bit different direction because I don't know about y'all, but what's been strange for us is, you know, even when our attendance was down, our contribution was higher than it's ever been. Right. And usually, right. <laughs> usually those two things go hand in hand. If one's down, the other one's down. And uh, so uh, that's been interesting. And then our Sunday night and Wednesday night attendance, um, you know, before this recent Omicron variant was actually higher than it's ever been, like, like you were right. saying. And so yeah. um, it, it is good, but you know, we talk about it so many times too with church attendance and when it comes to worship and, you know, I looked throughout the New Testament and worship was always for who? It was always for the saints. You know, we, we talk about reaching the unchurched and all that, and I'm all for that. And we should be doing that. There's a time to gather and there's a time to scatter. But, you know, too often churches tailor their worship service to reach the unchurched when 
I read through the New Testament and church, you know, assembling to worship God was for the saints. And mm -hmm. listen, I want people to come through our doors that are visiting and be moved by the singing and hopefully like the sermon and want to ask questions and want to come back. But it's for your core. And I, I think we need to always remember that. And, uh, and, and if we can build up the body and equip the saints to grow inwardly, to grow outwardly, I think that's the, I think that's the best method. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think that for so long, we were, we were enamored with that seeker sensitive type movement and, and really it became a very consumeristic type of a thing or we're, we're using the, the assembly as our primary evangelistic tool. And I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think that that's what we find in scripture. We don't find them using the assembly as an evangelistic tool. Paul does say that if an outsider comes in, that he should, he should not find that, you, you know, you're doing things disorderly and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so there is definitely a precedent for outsiders coming in and we should certainly be welcoming, but, but I agree. I think that we, we got so caught up in, in having full pews and having big numbers. And I hope that what's what's beginning to happen, and I love to hear all the thoughts that you're sharing, is the idea of focusing on what, what really matters. And like you said, people matter. Numbers matter as they represent people. But just because someone is in a, is in a pew or just because somebody comes to an assembly doesn't necessarily mean that they are being formed and shaped into a disciple of Jesus. And that's that's what we really want to focus on. And I think we have to find ways to even measure that where we say, this is what we're measuring. We're measuring fruit of the spirit. We're, we're measuring discipleship. We're, we're measuring obedience, not just church attendance. Yeah. Sitting in a chicken house doesn't make you a chicken. And so just coming and sitting in a pew doesn't make you a worshiper. You know, I find over and over again in scripture, God hitting control, alt, delete. You know, if you hit mm -hmm. control, alt, delete on your computer, you're rebooting it. You know, you do the force quit sort of thing, that sort of thing. And I, I know God did that over and over again in scripture. You know, that what we were talking about a moment ago with the Jews coming out of exile, that was kind of a force quit. That was a control, alt, delete moment. We're going to reboot here. And of course, didn't work. He had to reboot again. And, and this is a reboot, I think. I think this is one of those control, alt, delete situations. The pandemic has done that. And now we have an opportunity here to come back stronger than ever. I think the... I think the real question that we need to ask is how much normal do we want back? You know, um, because like we talked about with the Jews a moment ago, uh, uh, normal wasn't a good thing for them. Getting back to right. normal was not where they needed to be. They needed to be better than ever. And uh, so I, I think that's a question we need to ask too. be careful about wishing to get back to normal because normal may not have been a, a, a good enough standard. So how much mm -hmm. normal do we want to get back to? And I would say this, Wes, you know, uh, I was reading an article the other day about uh, there's been like over 4,000 people who have uh, climbed Mount Everest. And this article was talking about, and I didn't know this, but more people have died coming down, descending Mount Everest than going up, which I thought was mm -hmm. interesting. You know, you'd think that if you made it up, you're going to make it down. But more people have died coming down than going up. And what that tells me is there's a lesson there. We got to be careful coming off a high place. And right now it's kind of a high place where, you know, I know Omicron is still, you know, rearing its ugly head. And, and I don't know that we'll ever be completely done with this, 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 this uh, pandemic. But um, we're kind of coming down off the mountain. You know, we're kind of coming off a high place. Things are kind of getting back to normal. Looks like we're not going to shut down again and all that kind of stuff. We're learning how to live with it. 
and people are starting to come back and starting to feel like things are getting back to normal. We got to be careful coming off a high place. Uh, hopefully, we continue to consider our ways and uh, and make some maybe some better, more loftier goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we've given people a lot to lot to sort of wrestle with and, and think about. But if you don't mind, let's let's kind of look into the future and and paint a, a hopeful future for for churches. If we could if we could embrace some of these things that we've discussed, if we could really just latch hold of of these ideas and and really take them to heart and make some changes. And like you said, not necessarily get back to normal, but get and that was my prayer throughout the entire pandemic is that that we we not get back to normal is that we get better like better than it is yeah. but even better than it was before and and so help us to see what what might the next few years look like i know some people when they they look at the next few years they're just sort of wringing their hands and just sort of sweating what are the next few years going to be like but but let's try, try to help them picture something hopeful and, and better. So what, what might the next few years look like if we, if we really embrace these truths? Well, I think that uh, these are truths that we should have been embracing all along, you know, and I think uh, I don't mean to paint with a broad brush. I'm not saying that nobody did. I think a lot of people did, but you know, that when you truly live out those one another's that Paul talks about, I mean, it's going to, it's going to develop a sense of community like no other, you know, being a former coach, I was, I was big on atmosphere and climate. And even as a, as a preacher, I kind of tend to think that I'm a climatologist to some degree, you know, I, I can't make anybody grow, but I can hopefully set a climate for growth. Hopefully I can, you know, set the atmosphere for growth. And uh, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm really encouraged by and I'm excited about is I see people coming back with this renewed vigor and zeal because um, what what was some, something that was so precious to them was taken away. And some, they took it for granted. And now they say, oh, well, I'm not going to do that again. Now, obviously, the further you go along, it's easier to fall right back into the trap of taking things for granted again and all that. But I, I think we've got a real opportunity here to seize and say, hey, got some people excited, you know, just like the Jews coming back, ready to rebuild. They were all excited at the beginning. I, I think if we play off that excitement and we try to um, – you know, really focus on growing closer together, making sure that we're building community. Uh, I, I think, I think the sky's the limit when you do that. I think there's no end and no limit to what you can do as a body when you're close knit, close together, all on the same page, working for the same common goal. Uh, I, that's exciting to me, and I think now we have an opportunity for that, um, maybe more so than ever, because we've gotten a glimpse of what it might look like to not be able to assemble. And I know there's some people out there that said, well, we never shut down. And I know some people were upset that we did shut down and all that. Of course, I, I think maybe playing semantics, I don't know that we ever shut down. I mean, the church, we were still worshiping. We just weren't in the same building. Um, but we had people dying. I mean, right and left. Unfortunately, we had, it swept through our congregation, maybe more so than a lot of other places. We had to do something. That's what we thought we needed to do. But now, after loss, after being apart, um, people are coming together with this renewed excitement. We need to play off of that and really yeah. um, use that to our advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for this conversation today. But most of all, thank you for what you're doing for the church at Old Lane and for the kingdom. I, I appreciate you immensely, brother. Yeah, thank you, Wes. Appreciate you, brother. And thank you. 
Thank you so much for being part of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I want to give a special thanks to Travis Pauly and to our McDermott Road Church family for making this podcast possible. As always, we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.